When people are talking about Bitcoin price going up, that is not what's happening. Bitcoin price, everything is falling against Bitcoin forever. That's what's happening. And so when you're measuring Bitcoin price going up, you're actually defaulting to the currency that's being manipulated. Hello there, how are you all doing? Did you have a good weekend? Did you see the most Tottenham thing ever yesterday? Hilarious. Anyway, I'm heading out to Miami on Friday. I can't wait. I'm going to be going out for the F1, and I'm going to have a short break before the craziness of the conference. My first holiday in a year, and it's well needed. Now, we also have a live event in Miami. On Wednesday the 17th, we've got Lynn Alden, we've got Jeff Snyder, we've got Harry Suddock, and we've got Troy Cross all together for a live What Bitcoin Did event at Gramps. If you want to grab yourself a ticket, head over to whatbitcoindid.com and click on WBD Live. Also, have you checked out my new film? I've made a new film about mining. It's called Dear Elizabeth Warren. It's available on my YouTube channel. Please do go and check that out. Anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by RS Energy, the largest NASDAQ-listed Bitcoin miner using 100% renewable energy. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today we've actually got the live recording from Bedford on the show. Yes, we got four legends, Jeff Booth, James Lavish, Loris Lepard, Ben Ark, all to my little hometown. And honestly, it was pretty amazing to have all these people in Bedford. It was pretty surreal. So we kick things off with Ben Ark. We get into Nostra and Lightning. And you can check out Danny getting electrocuted with Lightning payments, which was pretty cool. And then we have James and Lawrence for all things macro and finished off with Jeff Booth dropping some deflation gems. So I hope you enjoy this. If you've got any questions about this, you know what to do. You can hit me up. My email is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Also, just a quick note, we had an audio issue at the start of the recording, so you'll have to bear with it for the first 20 seconds. It's all good. Just blame Danny. You know where he is. Okay, enjoy the show. Okay, so uh, Danny's been telling me all week you invested in Nostra. No, I, I can't take credit for Nostra. So what happened was we, um, me and Fairtrack worked on a protocol called Bionali, which we spoke about in the podcast. In London, that would be possible. Why you should listen to what Bitcoin did because it's on the cusp of all the latest and greatest technologies. But we, yeah, I mean, that was that was a good while. Like it wasn't more than a year ago. Do you remember the venue? It was that weird, like old hospital? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was creepy going up to. It. I thought, what really creepy? Where am I going here? Now I'm going to get snuffed out. But the uh, when we got to the, the top floor, there it was a, a great venue for a podcast. And um, yeah, we spoke in depth. And actually, it was funny because I listened back to that podcast. And, and with the Nostra stuff, because um, a bunch of us who were excited about it early on, we had all these great ideas of what you could do with the technology. Um, and then now people are having those same ideas again. And sometimes I hear them and I'm like, wow, that's a fantastic idea. And then I listen back to the podcast. And I'm like, well, we were talking about that then. You know, we were talking about it a year ago or you know, whatever. And if you scroll through the Telegram group, we've like, early on, we pretty much covered like a lot of the ideas now, which people are exploring. So Obviously, it's fantastic. There's so much attention on that technology, but it was great to be able to cover it early on. I mean, I think that that would be the first big podcast talking about Nostra easily. Me and Danny were saying this week that you're the coolest Bitcoiner there is. Thank you very much. We have agreed I, that. I, I say it's, I think it's you. You just invent shit and then walk away from it. Maybe it's Satoshi. So, oh yeah. So the story, the story, the the the, the, uh, the my my little claim to fame and little spark of you know my little vested interest in, in Nostra. Nostar, as it should be pronounced, um, was that me and Fitch, we worked on a protocol called Diagon Alley, and this was an idea for a resilient, censorship-resistant marketplace, where basically it's kind of client-based, and then you would have key crypto stuff, so you'd have public key, private keys, um, and it would mean that it was hard to take down because 
everything's kind of client-based, I suppose, like the, the merchant with all their products, and then they would just push it towards an index, so that would index it, and that index would be like an Amazon or an eBay. And then that was one of the seeds which helped, you know, well, one of the, the things which nurtured the Nostra, uh, Nostra protocol uh, growing. Um, so then Fiat Jeff went and sort of made it much more general, and then, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is just one element which went into Nostar, so I can't take credit for um, Nostar. Uh, I wasn't the creator, uh, Fiat Jeff is the creator, but I do have Nostar.com, so I'm, I'm the CEO of Nostar. It might spread that you're the inventor now, because Danny's told me, and I've told everyone. I've told at least <laughs> 10 people this week. Yeah, well, I, tell, I tell plenty of people, don't worry. They're like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> uh, so Danny stitched me up here, because I've got no idea... Usually I have a, um, a blue sh- blue card of what I'm going to talk about, but I no, have I no think... idea. Danny wouldn't tell me this week. Yeah, it's nice to catch up. I've got like I, I, I like like organising lots of live demos, so they fail and I embarrass myself. Myself, like our myself. speakers. Um, hmm? Yeah. Uh, so we got a live demo here. So this is so as you know, we work on a whole bunch of different things in in LM Bits, and then also in Nostra as well. Um, we so that going back to the diagonally thing. Um, then we had Nostar, and then we were always like, well, cool, now we can actually build Diagonally on Nostar. So everyone gets excited about Nostar as being a social network protocol, but actually it's, it, it's far more profound than that, and you can build all sorts of interesting things. I think on your podcast we spoke about uh, Uber as an example. Um, if you had like geolocation as an event type or something. But anyway, so now we can build Diagonally on Nostar, and uh, this week we actually had our NIP merge, NIP 15, which is for the sensory-resistant marketplace. We now call it Nostar Marketplace as opposed to Diagonally, because Diagonally is a goofy name. Um, and uh, we also, we've released a client as well, and it works. We've released it in LM Bits, and people have been playing around. Well, it works. I mean, we've just released it, so we've obviously found a few bugs. But um, uh, it, it's quite a momentous week, really. Lots of stuff has happened. Um, and uh, I think Amethyst, if anyone knows Amethyst, which is one of the more popular mobile clients, very good Android client if you've got an Android and you want to use Nostar, um, he did a poll the, the, uh, and asked, I think I've got it on here actually, and asked what feature um, people wanted to see in Amethyst, uh, built into Amethyst and Marketplace, uh, NIP45, it's now NIP15, um, was, was, was winning on, in the poll uh, for what people wanted to be built into Amethyst, which I think is really interesting because clearly... Look at Facebook Marketplace. Like, there's, there's something powerful when you mix uh, a marketplace with a social network, um, and, and people like using that. So, uh, I'm really excited now to see beyond our own client, like how people will implement this new marketplace technology into their Nostra clients. Um, so, yeah, if anyone's interested in the release of NIT 15, uh, then if you go to the Nostar protocol and then you take a look, uh, you can look through the, the NIT there. And uh, one of the great things about Nostra is it's very modular, so if you're building a client, you can easily build this stuff into your client, and then you can have a, a marketplace running. Um, and I, I'll, I'll see if I can get around to demoing that in a little bit. But I've also got, because so that's one of the demos I wouldn't mind doing. But then the other thing I wanted to do as well, I wanted to do like a world's first. So I think, I'm not sure anyone who's done a panel before has had like, things triggered by people paying lightning payments during the, during the, the conversation. So uh, what I've got here, this is the, the Bitcoin switch project, which is you can turn anything on with Bitcoin. So it uses a very cheap microcontroller, just a couple of quid. I think, again, we spoke about it on your podcast, but I didn't actually demo it. Um, and 
yeah, for a couple of quid, you can retrofit anything to accept lightning and then turn something on for a period of time. So that could be a vending machine. It could be access to somewhere. It could anything, anything at all. So it's very powerful. People like its technology. So I wanted to demo that. Let's see if it still works. Um, so I have got a couple of QR codes here. By the way, did anyone hear Nostar Nostra being mentioned on Joe Rogan this week? That was amazing. Yeah, mine's moving to it. Yeah, no, they moved. They, they well, were yeah, no, I mean, to be, to be fair, the mines, they were very early on. That blew us away, like in, in, in the Nostar protocol uh, Telegram group. Um, that guy popped in and said they'd, they'd implemented, mines, uh, implemented Nostar into mines. Um, uh, so, yeah, great people are picking up on this technology for being so powerful. And it's, it, it's really interesting because as a technology, it's just so simple. Um, I think one of the best explanations I've heard is uh, my friend Louisa, she wrote this great article, and in it she, she said that you go from a model of uh, smart servers and dumb clients to smart clients and dumb servers, and then you think about where the power is in that kind of technology, and it means that instead of the power being with the server administrator, does someone just pay? Someone just paid. There we are. But the, 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 the bubble machine... Oh, there we go. We've got some smoke as well. The bubble machine failed, sadly. Um, so one of the demos worked. If someone pays the bubble machine again, maybe it'll start spitting out bubbles. Um, I've actually got... Uh, we can take this a little bit further if you really want it, but we'll go back to that in a second. Uh, so anyway, so uh, if you think about where the power lies with that, it lies with the client, which is the user, as opposed to the server admin. Um, and uh, it's just really simple. We're using public key crypto with clients and then having these dumb servers, which are just basically well, the relays, which are just relaying those notes and the information. There, bubbles. <laughs> well, so crazy. I think that's, a, that's, that's, that's probably a world first. I like doing the world first stuff, but we have got another world first as well. I have um, one of these muscle stimulators. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and if you want, we can strap ourselves up, and then people can pay lightning to electrocutors um, under your leg. How's your heart feeling? It's up to you. Does, does my brother want to come up here? <laughs> I, I swear it's not too. It's not. It's not set too high. You just told me you turned out full. No, no, no. <laughs> After the week I've had, it should probably be you, Danny. Uh, yeah. So I feel like I'm, I'm going to set that up now. Sure. Right there. Um, Danny's volunteered. Danny's volunteered. Okay. <laughs> so, where are we? Let me grab these. Do we need to swap seats? Are you not doing it? Oh, oh Come on. It doesn't Come on. I actually have a heart condition. <laughs> this is a true fact. What are we doing now? Uh, yeah, arm, I think. So, if we go, let's go here. Can they choose who they electrocute? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've done a which QR code. Which one's Danny? Um, well, they're smoking. They're smoking. That's smoking. Um, Bubbles. So we'll have to put some new QR codes for electrocuting the people. Who just tried to electrocute me? <laughs> this is a. How many times can I do it for two hundred? <laughs> How do I do this? this we have to stick myself on. This is a great way of making Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, this is just my elaborate scam for making Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, Where are these sats going? Just to me, personally. I was going to do it for charity, but I mean, like, i got to earn some money somehow, haven't I? So how else are we going to do it? So let's do a world's first, shall we? Let's electrocute people on stage. It's like Bitcoin Squid Game. For, <laughs> for Bitcoin. I mean, this is going to take off, and soon, yeah, yeah people will earn money. They'll, they'll, you could do, like, a, a YouTube stream, and then you could just say, like, for Bitcoiners, you could say controversial things, and then have them electrocute you, and then that's... Um, 
I'm are sure are the Nazis did something like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have some more. Right, no one, please no one scan these QR codes for a second. Let me get them on. Just give me Danny's. Lane, you're looking way too keen there. <laughs> right. So that smoke. Ooh. One of us is going to get in pain in a second. Um, number 12. Yeah, we're still working. <coughs> People say you should never do a live. Do ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, that worked. Ah! Yeah, just, keep, just keep scanning that get one. It, get it, not me. <laughs> Is yours working? Someone's scanning Yeah, yeah. Ah. Did you get me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> right, so now we're, here we go. There we are. That's Peter done. Danny's, oh. Danny's the one on the right. <laughs> um... So what else were we, we going to talk about? So you know, with Fountain, you can do like streaming sats. Yeah. Can we do st streaming electrocutions? <laughs> Are you getting these constantly as well? No. <laughs> People like me. Um, yeah. So how do we concentrate on what we're supposed to be talking about here? We, uh... Oh, right. So Nostar, shall we? Shall we have a look at the Nostar Marketplace extension we made in Elevates? Please. It's pretty cool. Can you leave Danny's QR code? Oh, yeah, still good. Uh, how do I? Ah! <laughs> how do I do that? Well, I'll put that there. Oh no, is that Danny? Oh. 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 I've lost my typical Linux. I told my dad we had a serious event this evening about world money and. <laughs> Stuff the like this is in economy and the banks being fucked. Well, no, so stuff like this is important. Like, it's very goofy turning on a smoke machine and a bubble machine on stage and electrocuting people on stage. World first. World's first. People paying to electrocute people on stage while they're doing a, you know, a, 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 a live stream, whatever. Um, they're very goofy examples of using the technology, but actually... If you're in, like you're unbanked, and you're in a developing country, and then you decide to start, you know, your local community decides to start using Bitcoin so people have <laughs> access to a digitally native currency, um, very cheaply, these microcontrollers are just a couple of quid each, and then the relay is like 20p or something, you can start like retrofitting things to accept Bitcoin, um, and, uh, uh, and, and people can have access to a digitally native payments technology, um, which is, I mean, you, you can't do this with Visa, do you know what I mean? So it's far superior to Visa. So they're like goofy examples of using the technology, but actually, how's the, how's the arm there? Like Popeye. Um, but actually, like, the, the, what you can do with this technology is very profound, that's what I'm trying to say, but being electrocuted keeps distracting me. Right, okay. Um, so let's have a little look at the uh, Diagon sorry, Di Nostar market, as we call it now. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Nostar is um, uh, a client-based technology where you have a public key, private key, just like Bitcoin, and then you sign notes and then send them up to these relays, and then people who are subscribed to those notes will get those notes. Um, so with our Nostar market here, I'm going to generate a new key which I've just done right now. So now I've got a new key pair. You can use uh, keys, which, you know, your own public key, private key if you want to, or you can generate them somewhere else. Um, and uh, once I've done that, uh, I can create a new stall, a new, uh, oh, here we go, shipping zone first. So I have to make a shipping zone first. So I'm going to make a shipping zone. I'm going to call it free. How much time we got? As much time as you want. <laughs> okay. Uh, cost of shipping, okay, it's free. I'm going to create a new stall. So I'm going to, so if you imagine like a, a, a marketplace, 
Um, OpenBazaar tried to do this, but it didn't quite work. You have um, market stalls, which merchants control. You go to the market stall, and then you, you pay for some products, um, and then you visit another market stall. That's kind of like the the way in which we're, we're, we're the model in which we've, we've built this on. Um, so if I call this uh, Ben's shop, and then I could put a description if I want to, but I'm just going to, all payments are going to be pulled from um, the, this wallet, which I've selected, the Selling Bits wallet. And then I've got to select a shipping zone, create stall. I'm sort of scared this thing's going to electrocute me at any moment. Um, once I've created my stall, um, I can add new products. So I'm going to add a new product here, and I'm going to add a T-shirt... Uh, description uh, clothes I suppose oh. so you can add like categories and then we're going to insert an image URL um, and here we are got this guy here uh, copy image address put that in there and then how much are we going to charge for the t-shirt say 200 sats quantity we've got 100 of those to sell create product um and so now, as a merchant, I've created my products, I've created a stall. Yeah, that's cool, fair enough. But if I go to my um, market clients, this is a completely separate client. You could run this offline, you can run it. Um, in fact, this, is, this server is running offline. Uh, you could also run this just as a separate client, just on a github.io website or something. And then if I go to market here uh, and add merchants, if I um, take this public key and pop it in here, then over the Nostra network... If we add that, well, the first demo worked, so hopefully this demo will work as well. Here we go. So what just happened then was this is just a front-end client. It's, it's not doing any HTTP GET requests or POST requests or anything. I literally just said, I want to subscribe to any data this, this, um, this uh, public key has. And then it pulled down from a relay uh, this product here. Um, I, I, like I said, this is completely client side and actually I'm running this locally so I'm not even like using DNS, I'm not using a, a web server or anything uh, it's just pushing it through a relay um, and, and now I can so change the colour theme there let's go for a more of a Bitcoin colour theme if I go to visit stall, I can add that to my um, to my cart and then if I go to checkout this is the bit which mm, actually I think I need to log in first uh, I'll just generate some random keys add key and then if I go to checkout, uh, to your public key, well, I'm logged in right there. Maybe I need to refresh. Um, so all communication, this is what's great about Nostra. If you think about with HTTP, you do a get and a post request, and then you're hitting these web servers. Uh, with this, you're just doing, this is all based on Nostra DMs. So they're encrypted direct messages between two clients and two key pairs. Uh, so this is a truly censorship-resistant marketplace. Um, Right, okay, there we are, I've got my keys there. And then I click on that, click on checkout. Um, and then this is a bit probably where it will fail. Uh, oh, there we are, then it generates an invoice. And then if I pay that invoice, does someone pay that invoice for me? I'm just scamming more sats out of people. <laughs> and all this communication is happening between uh, the merchant, oops, sorry, the, um, the merchant client and the marketplace client is all happening through the Nostar network over encrypted DMs. It's pretty cool. Even the fetching of that invoice. Oh, there we go. How much are you paying me? See if that registers. Oh, nice. There we are. Cool. Um, and then once I've uh, paid for that product, 
if I click here, I should be able to see. Ah, here we go. Here's my. So this is a direct message. So this is because we're encrypting the information, um, uh, they, they, and they come through as DMs. We can now message them, the merchant and say, "Where is my T-shirt?" Oh, there we are. And that was an Ossar direct message. In fact. Um, uh, so when we were first working on Nostra, I made the first kind of Twitter client on Nostra a couple of years ago, and I really wanted direct messages to be in there. And actually, people in there were, in the Nostra community were like, "We don't need direct messages." And I was like, "Well, that's a, a useful part of Twitter, for example." So it was uh, me and uh, Fusion Forty Four, who's a, a Raspberry Blitz developer, who's actually here in the audience now. Um, we were the first ones. I, I still remember a couple of years ago, Fusion helped. Um, developed the direct messages and actually got it working on my Twitter client. And I still remember now, like, us DMing each other, saying, woo we're doing encrypted messages over Nostar. And, uh, and now to see that, you know, Joe Rogan talking about Nostar is, is quite amazing that it goes from this, this hacky um, project of all these free and open source developers to something much, much more, you know, uh, well-known. So it's quite cool to be there at the, the beginning of that story. Um, right, okay, so if I go here now and I select the customer, I should see where's my T-shirt. It's on its way. And again, that's all happening over Nostar Direct Messages, the, the buying and selling of the products, and then also the um, encrypted, encrypted messaging between, oh, got a bug there, the encrypted messaging between the, uh, the merchant and the, the customer as well. Um, so we launched that this week, really cool, and then there's lots of other clients who are also going to be implementing this. So the problem of censorship-resistant marketplaces is solved. I can clip here that I can tick here as well that the order's been shipped and ship the order. So pretty cool. Uh, anyone interested in that? Just play around on the um, on in LM bits. We've got it running on the demo server. You can play around on there and experiment with it. And what if it's a bigger order? Can, does it have like an escrow system? Ah, so very interesting. So these are all like we've solved all these problems in the smart server way, haven't we? And now we need to figure out ways of solving these problems in the dumb server way. Um, and there's a couple of, I can't remember the name of the project, there's an, a lightning escrow service which someone's built, which I think could be used with, in, in, with this. Um, but then also maybe some sort of relay, some of the relays. We have to be careful that we don't like, because you've got the spectrum of like convenience um, uh, where making something more convenient just means it's more centralized. Mm -hmm. So you could have a relay service which maybe offers some escrow stuff in it. Uh, but then you have to be careful that obviously it doesn't start to centralize. But this is going to be the constant battle with, with Nostra, um, I think. But yeah, the other one as well is, is reputation as well, like after you've made the trade. Again, I mean, this, there's great people working on solving these problems. If you go on the Nostra protocol website and you look at all the PRs which are in there, there's lots of proposals for reputation systems um, and how we can get, get, around, uh, get around that. Um, I think there may also actually be NIPs which have been merged uh, with solutions on how to do reputation. But, um, yeah, you can, you can build so many things with Nostra. It's very exciting. And what's really exciting about it is Bitcoin, it's been built, it's not Bitcoin. Nostar isn't Bitcoin, but it's been built by Bitcoiners, and it, it can't help but lean towards being Bitcoin-y. So we have Zaps now in, in Nostar. Um, and uh, it, it's a great way to show how digitally, digitally native micropayments can be very powerful um, on a social network. Uh, so yeah, it's it's it's. I think as a, a driver, it's going to be the next thing which really pushes and drives and 
Bitcoin is going to be people just engaging with Nostra and seeing Bitcoin working so well with it. Amazing. Okay, uh, my only question is, uh, it's quite complicated what you've done there. Um, do you expect to get to a point where it would be uh, uh, easy for a normie to be, be able to build a shop front? Yeah, so I mean, like, is that complicated really? So, like, going on, yes. a WooCom go on a WooCommerce website, add products to a WooCommerce website, you'll need to add shipping, you'll need to add the products. Yep. Um, and then, so, like, one of the, the things which is trickiest is probably adding the public keys, but you could go to a marketplace. We, we can add the public key in the URL here, but actually you could just have, like, a list of public keys in a GitHub repo. Um, and then when someone wants to add their public key, then they just put a PR in, and then this just fetches that from the repo. Or we could do it in some like Nostari way, where we, we use like a follow list or something. So this is proof of concept, minimal viable product stuff, isn't it really? But if you compare like becoming a merchant on any other platform, you have to click around a bunch, add some pictures, add some products. And then if you probably the confusing thing is like showing that alongside going to the marketplace. But in reality. So you would just say, oh, here's a link to some marketplace with a bunch of Bitcoin products on. And then you would click on the marketplace and it would just get access to that list of public keys from all these merchants who are selling Bitcoin swag. And then it would just pull in all the products and you could just go to their stores and buy stuff. Um, so, yeah, it kind of looks complicated now, but I think that's probably my really bad demonstration. One of the complications we've had with selling merchandise uh, and selling beer and tickets to Bitcoiners is that we ha end up having an EPOS system and then when people want to pay in Bitcoin, then we have to write down each order and then we have to go and deduct it uh, from the inventory management if there's no integration. Is, will there be a way that this could integrate with traditional so we could have both a censorship resistant store and a normal store? Well, this is what, this is what I, I, you know, I mean, I'm going to plug Alan Bits again, but I mean, we did this in the last podcast. Every time you had like something you needed, I was like, oh yeah, we can do that in Alan Bits. We've got this new plugin, blah, blah, blah. So um, obviously these clients, you could just run them on like uh, you know, some github.io website or just, just as a, like a, a web like a simple file serving website. Um, but if you are running it on LM bits, then, oops, then you can uh, marry this extension. I mean, it's so like the, the payment which went through there, then I have it here and I have it listed here and then I can export to CSV and we have an extension in the works for, um, uh, which will make it so you can easily like, um, uh, create a, a CSV with the, the Bitcoin value and then like the real world fiat value at that time. Anything, anything you need for your tax jurisdiction in which you're in, if you're going to like, you know, be a legitimate merchant. Um, then, so yeah, so like it's, it's by marrying up these different extensions and Alan Bits, um, yeah, you can totally like service that need, I think. We should get together and build a store then because when on our store, people are always f struggling to find where they can pay in Bitcoin because they have to get towards the end. We, yeah. just, we, should, we should get together and do that. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, so even like with us, like we have in Alan Bits, we've got like our, oh, oh, <laughs> sorry. We have uh, a. <laughs> uh, so in Alan Bits, we have our shop and it's a WooCommerce site. Okay. Well, we're selling like the hardware stuff which we do and the POS. I have a POS for you uh, uh, right there. Um, you're not attached to wires, Danny. Could you just pick up that tiny little 80s looking calculator? So we got uh, so BC, uh, Black Coffee, who runs our web shop. He's made you a. This is an offline point of sale. So you can have that in the. Um, in the, in the bar of the, the football club. And then someone, if they want to make a payment, they just fart, turn it on. So if you turn it on now, hopefully it's got battery. Um, you can very easily just like input an amount. It's in the fiat value as well. And then um, when you pay it, you can confirm, I think I've shown you this before, you can confirm the payment by using a pin uh, on the, 
with the, the wallet. But it's very simple, very easy, and you don't have to connect to the internet as well. So you can just have that behind the bar, click it on, boom, 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 make a payment. Um, uh, I mean, it's maybe using a, a phone might be easier for accepting Bitcoin payments, but it's kind of cool how you've got like a, a 15, again, like a $15 device, uh, very good for unbanked countries uh, who want to start accepting Bitcoin, particularly if they've got like limited um, uh, internet infrastructure. Uh, and uh, BC's done a really nice job. He's, he's 3D, uh, 3D printed. He's uh, print, yeah, 3D printed uh, a case for you there with the real Bedford logo on, I think. So thank you, BC. Very, very cool. Yeah. Nice one. All right. Well, we're going to move on to uh, James Lavish and uh, Larry Lepard in a second. Uh, just a warm round of applause. So thanks to Ben. I'm also going to give a shout out now to the spot. We do have a sponsor for this. You probably all noticed that we keep talking about Iris Energy at the moment. Uh, they approached us, when was it, about two months ago? Yeah. Uh, we were in America and they were in Canada. So me and Danny went out to see them. Uh, went snowboarding, hung out, realized that we have, uh, we align on a lot of uh, things. There are uh, the number one NASDAQ listed, 100% renewable energy Bitcoin miner. And uh, being Australian, they're very civilised like we are in Europe. So we got on very well. Um, and uh, they've agreed to sponsor everything we do. And, and they've also sponsored this. So uh, any of you guys who've got a goodie bag, you've got an Iris Energy hat, um, we're going to be spending some time with them and probably talking about them a bit more in the future. And I think we've got somebody from Iris Energy here, but I won't call them out because uh, uh, they might not want that. Um, okay, thanks, Ben. This show is brought to you by our newest sponsor, my friends at Unchained. Now, events at exchanges and traditional banks over the last year have been an important reminder of how critical it is to take control of your Bitcoin keys. Trusting an exchange exposes you to hacks, compromised passwords, frozen funds, or even worse, being caught up in someone else's insolvency. But taking control of your Bitcoin keys can also be daunting, and that's why my friends at Unchained offer a concierge onboarding, a personalized service to get you up and running. You get a one-on-one -on -one video call with an expert who will help you set up your cold storage vault, which can take the stress from you even if you've never secured your Bitcoin before. They will ship you the required devices, walk you through the setup, and even help you with withdrawals from exchanges. And after you set up, Unchained continues to provide you with regular support to help you get comfortable with controlling your own keys. Now, if you've been putting this off for a while, if you've been putting off taking control of your Bitcoin wealth, then Unchained's concierge onboarding is a simple way to get started, sooner rather than later. Now, you can book your onboarding call today at unchained.com forward slash what Bitcoin did, and at the checkout, you will get a $50 off with the promo code what Bitcoin did. That is unchained.com, which is U-N-C-H-A-I-N-E-D.com forward slash what Bitcoin did. Next up today, we have Wasabi, who I am using to keep my Bitcoin private. Now, Wasabi is the easiest way to send and receive Bitcoin privately. And even for non-technical people like me, it is effortless and provides privacy by default. Now, with Wasabi, there is no minimum amount, so you can get started coin joining straight away. And Wasabi users make CoinJoin transactions together with BTC Pay and Trezor users, and BTC Pay server users can make payments in CoinJoin, which saves on fees and is a privacy improvement. Also, Wasabi have just dropped a new feature. Now, Trezor Suite users can make CoinJoins directly on the hardware wallet, which is obviously very cool. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to wasabiwallet.io, which is W-A-S-A-B-I-W-A-L-L-E-T.io. Also today, we have BitCasino. 
Now, BitCasino was established in 2013 and is the world's first licensed Bitcoin casino. It is trusted by tens of thousands of players worldwide, and not only do they have cutting-edge security, but they offer fast withdrawals and VIP experiences that money can't buy. BitCasino also has over 2,800 games and tournaments to try out. And with 24-7 live chat support, you can always get the help you need. To find out more, please head over to bitcasino.io, the first Bitcoin casino to win an EGR award. That is bitcasino.io, which is B-I-T-C-A-S-I-N-O dot I-O. And please remember to gamble responsibly. So uh, a lot of people have flown into Bedford this week, which just blows my mind. Um, and uh, really grateful uh, this evening that we've been also joined by Lawrence Lepard. <laughs> And Daniel Craig. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and uh, uh, my new friend, James Lavish. Um, guys, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So there's quite a lot we can talk about. A lot. There is. Uh, Larry, tell me, uh, tell everyone what you said gonna, you're going to do to Jerome Powell. Oh, yeah. So I did a podcast earlier with Peter and I don't know how we got on this subject, but we were talking about um, um, positivity and negativity in the Bitcoin space. And Jeff brings maximum positivity, and I'm, I'm the bad guy. And so, so, so basically, uh, I was talking about how uh, if I ran into Paul, I'd love to just kind of knock him down and beat him with a golf club. And <laughs> the, the image of that was in my mind because um, one of my family members was attacked on a golf course in Florida two weeks ago. And by, by an alligator, and the alligator grabbed him by the leg, was pulling him into the water. Fortunately, his brother, who'd fought in Vietnam, was there and grabbed his club and came over and saved his life by basically beating the shit out of the alligator with a golf club. So, so the image was very much resonant in my mind. And I think if I ever, if I ever saw Jerome Powell, that's kind of what I would like to do. You always have the best stories. <laughs> I don't know about that. So uh, Danny and I spoke to Luke Woman this week. Uh, we had a great interview, smart, super smart bloke. And he... Uh, very casually dropped in the idea that we may be hitting double or high double or triple digit inflation soon in the US, in Europe, in the UK. Um, he was very casual about that. Like it wasn't just uh, a minor possibility, this is like a high possibility chance. And, and that really struck me because that's the kind of thing you hear about in faraway places like Argentina. <laughs> Lebanon, Turkey. And so do you want to talk to people about this and why it's such a distinct possibility? About, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. It's not a non, it's non-zero possibility. Um, you know, the problem we have here in the United States and the Western Hemisphere, we are beholden to central bankers who uh, they, they manipulate the monetary system so deeply that we have a massive, just a, a monumental amount of debt that is overhanging everything. And so the problem is that the only way to service that debt is to create inflation. And Jeff Booth talks about this, and, and it's, a, it's a major problem for the whole system because naturally, technology, uh, and this is actually what really brought me to Bitcoin, is listening to Jeff talk about this. But naturally, in, when you create technologies, they're deflationary, right? And, and I'm not going to steal his thunder on that. But 
The problem is central banks have to create, they have to manipulate the monetary system to create inflation. Why are they doing that? Well, they're doing that because there's just so much debt that's overhanging the system that they have to pay off. Right? Just think about it. If you have a system that every single one of us is operating in a deficit, basically, let's just focus on the United States. So in the United States, we're, we're looking at deficits that they admit to this year. They admit to expecting deficits of $1.4 trillion. Okay, so how do you pay that off? Well, you, you can't, you, you either have to have austerity. You have to lower your the expenses that you have in in your government, right? And uh, that's not popular. It's political suicide, right? You have to, or you could raise taxes. They can't really do that because um, number one, it's also not popular amongst everybody. So you will lose votes if you're if you do that. And secondly, it doesn't really work. Eventually it it, it will hit productivity and productivity will, will come down and your tax base will come down and so it has the same effect. Right? And the third thing you can do is you can just issue more debt and then pay off the debt that's retiring, that's maturing with that new debt. And that's what they do. So what but they have to keep issuing this debt. And the only way they can perpetuate this whole charade, this whole clown show that we have, is to have high inflation. Why? Because if you have high inflation, then you are paying off past debt that's you're using dollars that are worth less. So you have more dollars in the system that you're taxing on your gross domestic product, your GDP, right? That's the, that's the product of the whole country. Well, you can tax that and have more dollars nominally to pay off that debt. And when you do that, you can keep the system going for a very long time. So what I think they're doing, and I've looked at the numbers, and we talk about CPI, and we talk about PPI, and we talk about um, you know all the inflation measures. What I think they're doing is they're not admitting what the inflation really is. And it's only going to continue like this until we have a massively deflationary event. And then they will print so much money, your eyeballs will bleed. And so it will be a, it will be a factor of what we printed last time. And there's your inflationary event that comes in the next few years. And I would add to that that even in addition to that, they're trying to solve a problem by crushing demand that's really not entirely an excessive demand problem. It's a lack of supply problem that COVID, all the supply chains, et cetera, created. And so if you have a lack of supply problem, what do you need? You need more capacity. How do you get more capacity? You invest and build it. By pushing the interest rate up, it makes the problem worse. The cost of capital is higher, so you're not going to supply things to solve inflation. I think Luke is dead-ass right. I think we're going to have double-digit inflation within the next couple of years, and it's going to be very persistent. We're going to look like Argentina. Um, and you can see it in things like the oil price. I mean, it, it's, oh, I'm sorry, it's very notable to me that... Um, it's very notable to me that the, uh, you know, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve kept inflation or kept the oil price down, but they, and they didn't move to refill it, and now the Saudis and others are tightening up. And, you know, oil's going to go through $100, and we're going to be back in the inflationary game again. So in addition to what James said, 
you've got just a structural problem that, that's going to make things much worse. By the way, if you don't follow Larry on Twitter, please do. He's one of the nicest guys in the world. But if you cross him, he will end you. <laughs> that is true. I don't, take, I don't take bullshit. He is a savage. Um, so my first question whenever, whenever I hear any of this thing is, uh, these things, I'm surrounded by some smart investors like you guys. I'm always like, okay, what the fuck do I do? How do, how do I prepare? What do I do? But I'm going to throw it to Larry first. Yeah, no. Because Larry's also my, a gold my, my first My first answer was going to be, this is the most difficult market I've ever been in as an investor. It is, it is extraordinarily difficult to invest in this market. So anybody out there who's feeling a little bit lost, who's feeling uncertain, yes, we all are. So, I mean, brilliant macro investors are puzzled, okay? But I think there's some conclusions we can clearly draw that, that are sound if you have a long time frame. And the, and the interim swings could be enormous. There's a Weimar chart of how the, 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 you know, the, the Deutschmark hyperinflated. I mean, the, the swings are stunning. But having said that, bonds are clearly a bad deal. There is no way we get out of this without serious monetary debasement. And so the notion that you know, they're, they're just not going to be money good. They can't be and won't be money good. Stocks, I believe, general equities are, are greatly overpriced, in my opinion. Um, we could have a very extreme deflationary outcome for a brief period of time, which I think will then be countered by a policy response that will lead to an enormous inflationary outcome. And so, in my opinion, the two assets that you want to hold to address that are gold because it deals with the deflationary outcome. Gold is cash that can't be printed. It is 5,000-year-old money. It can't be printed. So if we have massive deflation, massive risk off, people, when they're afraid, they buy gold. And so, in my view, everyone should have a little bit, okay? Just like everyone should have a little bit of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the apex predator, best asset in the world, long-term going to crush gold. It ultimately, we'll flip it and, and, and so forth. However, I say long-term, not tomorrow. And so, Bitcoin is your alpha, and gold is your, really, Bitcoin is, Bitcoin is your future stocks, and gold is what bonds used to be. Gold, gold is a safe place to store capital. I would agree with that, and I would also say that you know if you have a if you have cash in, in your in your bank and you don't know what to do with it and you don't want to have a hundred percent of your capital allocated to Bitcoin and gold, uh, which I don't, uh, I have I have capital needs. Um, what you can do and what I, what I do is you can buy short term treasuries, short term gilts if you're here, but really short term, like just a few months or less than a year. And then you, you can roll those and keep your capital. At least it's not just sitting in cash. At least it's, you know, if, it, if you need it, you can. So I get asked that a lot. And, uh, and I also have cash because I think we're gonna be coming into an, an event here. Um, it could either be a credit event uh, w much like SVB, that that happens in a way that the Fed and the Treasury cannot anticipate and cannot stop. There, there is that likelihood out there. I, I, I attach a a fairly high likelihood of of something happening there. And then there's the the event of we just go into a recession, and you want to have some cash around so you can start buying things that um, that get really cheap in a recession. Or what happens is the market will draw down. Right, and and we have a saying, and the saying is that all all assets go to the correlation of one, and everything sells off. So you want to have some capital around, waiting for that. That's my view. And you don't want to be leveraged. I mean, everyone should go back and study what happened in March of 2020. I mean, that's that's what happens when you have a massive credit contraction. 
And, and of course, then Powell came in with Draghi over the top, whatever it takes, and printed $5 trillion you know, over the course of the next two years. And so you've got to be prepared for that event. Some people ask me, said, is the bottom in in Bitcoin? I don't know. I think that given how far up we've come off of the bottom, I think we're unlikely to go through 16. I think there's a possibility in a March event we'd have a double bottom and we go back and retest 16. To me, that would be just a blessing. It would be momentary, though. Yeah, because you, you can't tie it. You can't because time that. The, the one thing that you have to remember about the Fed is that at the end of the day, their third mandate, they don't say it, but it's unspoken and it's clear, is keep the financial system functioning. And the mathematics of the financial system literally guaranteed that at some point it will stop functioning. And when that occurs, they will do what they did in March. They will do what they did in 2008. We've seen this playbook. There's nothing unusual about what they're doing right now. And yes, they're, they're saying they're going to fight inflation now until collapse becomes a bigger risk, at which point fighting inflation will go completely out the door. And you'll see, you know, everything correlates to one. Everything goes down very sharply. They respond with an enormous policy response. They print until their eyes are going to bleed, as James says. And at that point in time, Bitcoin's over 100,000 and gold's on 3,000 on its way to 5,000. So, so that's a scenario that you need to have in the back of your head. And that's why you don't want to be levered. Right? You get all levered up in your Bitcoin, and we have that event, and you get blown out of it. Bad idea. The better idea is just to have a little bit of cash sitting around that you can have some bids just sitting there, like way down, you know, because you're not, when this happens, virtually every exchange is going to shut down. Like whether it's because they just can't handle the order flow or more nefarious reasons and we have choke points around the world where you can't, you physically can't get your capital from your bank onto the exchange to do, you know, to, and to make a transaction. So you got to have some bids just sitting there. You won't get a chance to, to, my, to in, buy it. In my view is we've got about a 50% chance that we have that event, that March you know, 2020 event where that bad thing happens, something really breaks, everything falls apart. I'd say the other 50% opportunity or outcome is, is the Luke Roman outcome where they slowly but surely pivot. They keep talking their book. We get high inflation and we, I'm sorry, we, we, inflate, our way, we inflate our way out of this thing with, with very, very high inflation, which will benefit all of our assets as well. It just means we don't have that dip down and or perhaps that dip down comes at some future date. Do you not fear with choke point, which is becoming very real, choke point 2.0, I think we've all experienced and seen what's been happening to that. Do you not fear that means we're putting a lot of our eggs in a basket that might get closed off? Uh, there will there will be ways. I mean, you're, you're not going to kill Bitcoin. I mean, there will, we will find ways to get money back into the system uh, or operate around it. I mean, I know somebody, uh, and this is one off, but I know somebody lives in LA. Okay. He was a professional athlete. He made millions and millions of dollars. And what he did was he bought miners around the world. Okay. He sends his Bitcoin up to wallets, like wallets that are, that are non KYC. And then he takes that money and he buys he buys gift cards with them at Amazon or various places and and he actually gets a deal on it because people want that non KYC bitcoin and so he's getting 100 cents for every 85 cents that he gives the the you know the broker for the transaction so he's actually getting a 15% bump on his non KYC capital now it, that's one way that, that, that somebody does this. He, he's literally living, living in L.A. off the grid. And the IRS audits him every year. And he's like, 
I, uh, my wife works, and I don't know, I own a Tesla. What do you want to know? <laughs> so, Peter, to your point, I mean, there, there are attack vectors, and, and shutting the, the on and off ramps is one of them. The other is taxing the living shit out of it, which we've talked about, and I think it's a possibility it happens. I think everybody who holds Bitcoin or gold has to be prepared to hold it until we get to the other side of this fourth turning, which we really need to do, right? And in the interim, they could really mess up, you know, our values, and so... We just gotta wait, you know, and, and one day we'll have a Bitcoin president, and right? Yeah. We're, well, we talked about that today. Yeah, we, did, we did talk about that. I kind of wish I had the screen up to show it. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to explain? Um, yeah, briefly. So um, I haven't fully come out and supported him because I want to do a little bit more research. But Robert Kennedy Jr., Robert F. Kennedy Jr., holds a lot of potential, in my view, for being somebody who could really move this country in the right direction. I'll say there are three reasons why. One, he knows that COVID was a scam and he knows that the vaccines were a scam. Totally believes it. Two, he, he has come out and publicly said that the CIA killed his uncle and probably was involved in killing his father. And, and three, he understands the fiat money contillionaire game. He quoted in his tweet, he quoted Nick Carter and said, you know, these people printed $5 trillion. It, 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 you know, basically all went to the rich people. They're screwing the average people and there's an exit ramp and it's Bitcoin and they're trying to shut the exit ramp. This is a candidate for president of the United States who's running for the Democratic seat, okay, on, on the Democratic ticket. Can he beat Biden in the primary? I don't know. Wikipedia says he's a conspiracy theorist. We know he knows the truth. That's the difference. And, you know, I think there's a possibility. I, I, the, the best thing that came out of, our, out of our pod this morning that was wonderful was you said, we got to get this guy on the pod. And I think he will come on your show. You get Robert F. Kennedy on your show, oh my God, right? I mean, in terms of for your show, but also for Kennedy. And we get all, I mean, if, if this guy's the real deal, and I'm not 100% sure he is, but if, if this guy, because he's a Kennedy, but, but if, if, this guy's, if, this guy's the re, <laughs> if this guy is the real deal, wow, right? Do you want to hear the tweet? Yeah, read the tweet. It's kind of wild. Okay, I won't, I, I won't do it all. But anyway, the claim that FedNow is not a first step towards a CB, CBDC would be more easily digestible were we not aware of the Biden administration's steady barrage of hostile broadsides against cryptocurrencies. Between 2008 and 2022, the Fed partnered with a handful of big banks to print 10 trillion, 10 centuries of wealth in 15 years a bonanza for the banksters. Cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin give the public an escape route from the splatter zone when this bubble invariably bursts. So the White House is colluded with the banksters to keep us all trapped in the bubble of profiteering and control. On, uh, in his February the 8th post on Pirate's Wire, Nick Carter, shout out to our boy Nick Carter, describes how the White House has organized banksters to participate in a sophisticated widespread crackdown to destroy the crypto industry. Carter describes 15 incidents where the President Biden has weaponized the FDIC, OCC, and DOJ to force crypto-friendly banks to close their doors in, uh, to crypto firms since December the 3rd. Yada, 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 yada. We should be wary since CBDCs are the ultimate mechanism of social surveillance and control. As Balaji says, the distinction between FedNow and a CBDC is important from a technical standpoint, but not from a civil, civil liberty standpoint, yada, yada. I think the really interesting thing is that you read it out loud, and I can imagine some locals from Bedford walking in the background going, oh, who are these nutters? What are they on about? You sound like a nutter when you explain it, but we know it's all true. We know it's all happening. And so... 
to have someone like him, a Kennedy, and we know they've got a history of being murdered, um, stand up and say this kind of stuff. Yeah, somebody, one of the, one of the wags on Twitter said, uh, yeah, okay, that's great. Tell him to stay away from Dealey Plaza. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> um, you know, look, it, it, it's gonna take leadership to get this country going in the right direction. And here you've got a legitimate presidential candidate who you know, knows that the CIA killed his, his uncle, which they clearly did, and believes that there's likely that the CIA killed his father, which I believe they did. And I mean, this is, this is stunning stuff. This is absolutely stunning. I mean, he's, he's saying the quiet part out loud. I mean, a lot of people in America know he's right. And you know, will he win? I don't know. But it's going to be damn interesting to watch. I'll say that much. What do you think the political reaction will be to the next five, ten years as this plays out? Because it's very easy for one administration to criticize the other as it happens, but we know as soon as they come into the administration, they're going to do the same thing. Well, I mean, it's, it's no different here. They're, it's just different parties. They're all playing the same game, you know. They don't really, they're not against each other. They, they, they pretend they are. They, they're out, you know, with their policies for their constituents. They've chosen who their constituents are. You know, super liberal or super conservative. But in reality, in closed rooms, they're all shaking hands high-fiving, they don't, it's not, so what, what will happen in my opinion is that eventually whether it, one party adopts it, you know, to, in, to stand out from the other party, the other party's not going to really have a choice. It's not like they're going to, but the difference in the United States is we have a state system, Right, so even if there's a if there's federal oversight with our you know SEC or with the, whatever the different governing bodies bodies are going to oversee these things, you know we have a state system that is set up to have uh, rights in, within states. So we're wa watching a huge battle in Texas right now about the Bitcoin mining and whether they're going to be taxed or whether they're going to be restricted. Uh, but you're, then you're also seeing uh, people like Caitlin who are working so hard in Wyoming trying to get Wyoming to be a Bitcoin-friendly area. So th the difference in the United States is that I think it really starts from the states and then it bubbles up to the federal level. Yeah, I, I mean, politics in the United States is just disgusting, like politics generally around the world. I mean, all I need to know is that Elizabeth Warren came to the Congress and she had no net worth, and today she's worth $60 million. How the fuck did that happen, right? I mean, it, it, you know, and that's just... Complaining about the greedy bankers. Exactly, and that's, just, and that's just one example. There are, you know, tens of examples that are very similar to that. And so this system is hopelessly broken. Eventually, it's going to be so, it's going to be so well ingrained in, in everybody's minds. And, and when it becomes a safe haven in these, in these areas that need it so desperately, you know, Lebanon and in Ghana and in Venezuela, when, and it's taking hold, and so it starts grassroots up, and that's where that's how it works. And eventually, they're just not going to have a choice. Uh, Larry, you also told me about uh, a gold uh, conference you went to, a gold bar conference. But everything's a bit different. I think you should explain that because I thought that was super interesting. I'm not sure what part of it. I was I was at the Zurich Gold Conference earlier this week, and um, a couple of questions have been asked a lot of me. I think it'll be interesting. I go to a lot of gold conferences. I speak a lot of gold conferences. You know, I'm a gold guy. I believe in gold. Um, and, you know, I think the two assets are complementary. Um, first thing, 
whenever I whenever I poll a gold conference, and generally speaking, they're older and, and not you know as as tuned into technology as everybody in this room. Um, I say, how many of you guys own Bitcoin? Half the hands go up. So half of them get it. And and I view my role in this whole you know revolution is my job is to orange pill gold guys because they already get the problem kind of. And what they don't understand is that this is safe. They look at Sam Bankman-Fried, FTX, crypto, et cetera, all the bullshit, and they naturally conclude crypto's a fraud. I mean, without doing the work to really understand that what's been created here is immutable digital security that cannot be tampered with. And they don't understand that. I mean, it is digital gold. It's got better properties than gold. Once they come to understand that, then I think, okay, I got to hedge my bets. I'll have some of each. And then ultimately, I have friends who are total gold bugs who now have zero gold, and they're mad at me because they say, hey, there can only be one. Why don't you just have the one? And I say, because I don't like having 70% drawdowns, I'm all of my net worth. Um, and so I, you know, so I balance the two out. I mean, I, I like having gold because when Bitcoin gets cheap, I can sell gold to buy Bitcoin. But um, what, was there anything else particular about the gold comments that um, you were looking for? Or? I, I thought the correlation between age and Bitcoin was interesting. Well, yeah, very clearly. I mean, and, well, and also, also just the, the tone. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm there and it's, it's dreary and it's depressing. And the people are between 60 and 90. And, you know, and, 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 and they've all been waiting forever. And, you know, right? It's kind of like, God damn it. Someday is this asset going to work and I'm going to get rich? I mean, we were joking about it one night. I mean, I've been telling my wife for 25 years, honey, someday we're going to wake up because we got all this going. We're going we're gonna to be so fucking rich. It's going to be crazy. And she, and she looks at me and she's like, would you just shut the fuck up? <laughs> love you. I've been with you for 30 years, but I'm tired of hearing that. You know? I'm just tired of it because it's never going to happen, Larry. It's just not fucking going to happen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> honey, you were, so then, uh, honey, I got this new thing. It's, <laughs> so it's even it's, better than gold. It's, it's called Bitcoin. Right. Yeah, and it's going to a million bucks, and she's like, now you've really fucking lost it. You know? and, and the great thing is that Foss is, I live in Naples in the wintertime. Foss has a house in Naples, too. And Foss's wife and my wife have become friends, and they're both really lovely women and very balanced, very normal. And they sit there and they talk to each other about, you know, let me tell you the crazy shit Larry did. And Julie's like, oh, no, 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 that's nothing. <laughs> Let me tell you about what Greg did last week. Yeah, but it comes back. <laughs> Does your husband also think that Bitcoin's going to go to a million dollars? No, he thinks it's going to fucking two million dollars. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it, it, look, it's hard being married to crazy guys like Foss and myself, but we're not crazy. We're right. It's just math. I mean, Foss has got it right. And we're doing this because we want to see this world be a better place. And we want to see, I mean, we're the gray, you know, we're the gray masters, right? We're the old guys. You know, FDR was the gray master during World War II. You know, and Eisenhower and all the other, all the young guys were out there fighting the fucking war. And you young guys are fighting the war. You know, the Odells of the world, the Mallers of the world, and, and women, absolutely young guys, women, you guys are fighting the war. And we're sitting here egging you on and encouraging you and, and bringing the benefit of seeing how, how the other side has played the game for 30 years. I mean, one thing is sure, they've got a ton of privilege. They've got all the money. They control the media outlets, all this shit. And they, and they don't play by the rules. I mean, it's just, it's brutal the way they break the rules. I mean, black letter law, you know, they should have basically had to shut down Silicon Valley Bank. Dodd-Frank said all the depositors take a haircut. They lose money because they're in a stupid bank that did a stupid thing, right? 
of course, that happened, you know, they ran into trouble. You know, on, on Sunday morning, you know, Janet Yellen is on Meet the Press, and she says, oh, we're going to follow Dodd-Frank. There will be no bailout. Six hours later, they fucking bailed it out, right? You know, by the fucking paper program, right? I mean, they're basically, I mean, they, they violate their own rules, left and right. And, and I've seen them do this for 25 years, and they're going to continue to do it. But the fact of the matter is, when Bitcoin goes through 100, and then when Bitcoin goes through a million, you know, and more and more people you know, or like the people in this room. I mean, I was at a Bitcoin conference in 2016, and there were like 50 people there, right? And now I go all over the world, and there are thousands of Bitcoiners. And, and I walk up, I mean, I, here's a good story. I'm in, I'm in the hotel at the Gold Show in Zurich two days ago, and some guy about my age walks up, and he starts looking at me, looking at me, kind of, he says, are you Lawrence Lepard? I said, yeah, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. Who are you? He says, oh, you know, I'm Joe Smith. Um, I'm a captain for American Airlines. I just flew the 767 from Chicago to Zurich. You know, I'm, I'm overnighting here at this hotel. Me and all my buddies, we're huge gold and Bitcoin guys. And we love watching your podcast. We, you know, we, we, you know have you, do you know Foss? Oh, yeah, I know Foss. You know, I mean, he's like dropping all these names. Do you know Jeff Booth? Yeah, I've met Jeff Booth. I mean, and he, I mean this is a 60-year-old Chicago-based American Air, or United Airlines captain, right? I mean, the word is spreading. These, you know, people are getting it. They're, they're definitely getting it. I got one for you. I had it last year at the Bitcoin conference. Some guy came up to me and he said, hi, can I have your photo? And I was like, yeah. So he stood next to me and took, took his photo and said, thanks, BitBoy, and walked off. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's rough. That's rough. That, that was must, rough. That must have hurt. That hurt bad. <laughs> this show is brought to you by RS Energy. Now, Iris Energy is the largest NASDAQ-listed Bitcoin miner using 100% renewable energy. Their strategy is to target markets with low-cost, excess renewable energy, and they build out their own highly efficient Bitcoin data centers. They are led by a seasoned management team with a track record of success across renewables, infrastructure, and digital assets. Now, Danny and I met the team recently in Canada and were super impressed with their values, which align with us, so they are a great fit for what Bitcoin did and you, the listeners. Now, we are going to be working with the Iris Energy team on everything we do from podcasts to films and live events, and they are even sponsoring my football team, Rail Bedford. I'm really, really happy to be working with such a forward-thinking and sustainable Bitcoin company. But if you want to find out more about them, please head over to irisenergy.co, which is I-R-I-S-E-N-E-R-G-Y.co. Next up, we have Ledin. From savings accounts to personal loans and even mortgages, Ledin's financial services enable Bitcoiners to experience the benefits of holding today without selling their Bitcoin. Ledin has a robust risk management strategy which always prioritizes safeguarding clients' assets with no DeFi yield farming. And Ledin only supports Bitcoin and USDC, two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. They also are dedicated to transparency and are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserves attestation, which they re-verify every six months. With multilingual support on standby 24-7, Ledin is there to support all your needs. To find out more, please head over to ledin.io, which is L-E-D-N dot I-O. Also, today we have Ledger. Now, Ledger is the world leader in Bitcoin security and is the best way to own and secure your private keys. If you're still holding Bitcoin on an exchange or with a custodian, it might be the time to take your security more seriously. Remember, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Now, Ledger hardware wallets paired with the Ledger Live app are the easiest and safest way to start managing your own private keys. 
You can send and sign your Bitcoin transaction with full transparency in the Ledger Live app. And honestly, look, it could not be easier. I have been a Ledger user since 2017. I love their products, and I'm still using the same hardware device I bought back then. Now, if you want to find out more or purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to shop.ledger.com, which is S-H-O-P dot L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Alrighty, welcome back. Holy shit, it's Jeff Booth. <laughs> Jeff flew all the way from, I think you flew the furthest to come here, got here like, like yesterday afternoon, yeah. went out, got smashed till four in the morning, <laughs> got up. I love Bitcoiners. <laughs> got up, recorded a podcast and he's here now. What a fucking legend. The price of tomorrow. <laughs> Didn't come up when you were drinking, did it? <laughs> Right, Jeff, you and I had a great chat today, and a lot of stuff clicked with me this week that hadn't clicked previously, and you talked about a similar story with uh, Luke Goyman again. A lot of stuff clicked with him again. Uh, you've been saying, uh, you've been telling everyone about the uh, deflationary environments that we should be living under for a while now, and I think it's starting to click. So, ju- look, just as an uh, intro, hands up if you haven't read Jeff's book. It's okay if you haven't. Okay, Jeff, the TLDR of the book. Just let everyone know what the TLDR is. Technology creates productivity. Those productivity gains should flow to society in the form of lower prices. We live in a system that goes exactly the opposite to that. And that means that instead of the productivity flowing to your life and lower prices, it gets concentrated up in very few people and your life gets worse. That's the TL. And, and all of the symptoms of the entire world could be described that simple to statement. And how many pages is the book? 240. And what did you realize today you could do with the book? Um, right. Technology is deflationary. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been the book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Explain it like I'm five. What is going wrong? Why is every why is technology not deflationary right now? What is going on? What is the scam? Yeah, and and James, I just said this, and there's a whole bunch of voices in in, in this ecosystem that are actually making this better, or or some of my ideas, and I'm carrying on some of the other ideas, and they're making this stronger and stronger. And Bitcoin is is kind of resolves that system problem in a transition. So it is not, when, when people are talking about Bitcoin price going up, that is not what's happening. Bitcoin price, everything is falling against Bitcoin forever. That's what's happening. And so when you're measuring Bitcoin price going up, you're actually defaulting to the currency that's being manipulated. That's what's happening. And so if the currency is manipulating, essentially abundance and money, if you can create unlimited monetary units, then everything else must be scarce, right? Because the monetary units are abundant, is measuring everything else. Everything has to be scarce. And if you have fixed monetary units, then that productivity will flow to society in the form of a free market force. The problem is the existing system cannot resolve that problem. And as James just said, you have about $400 trillion of global debt. 
And, and when people are measuring inside the system, US versus China versus everything else, instead of measuring the entire global debt, against entire GDP. So you had an increase of 100, in, preceding 20 years before I wrote my book, you had an, in, it, because technology is moving faster, you had an increase of $185 trillion of global debt to create $46 trillion of, global, of, of GDP. So effectively, four to one dollars of, of debt growth for GDP, and obviously that's not sustainable. But it has to be exponentially more to offset technology going the other way. Why? Because technology is net negative GDP, right? And here's what, if you if you kind of look look at that. Imagine your calculator app, right? The first calculator app cost a couple bucks, we'll call it $10 a month. I don't know, actually know exactly, but it created some value and people paid for it. And then the next entrepreneur, because there was money in it, created another calculator. And while there is a penny of profit, entrepreneurs will attack that like crazy until there's no more profit in it. And, and where does your calculator app show up in GDP? We used to buy calculators, right? We used to have a whole bunch of labor to be able to produce calculators, and now it's free. How about your photos? Where does that show up in GDP? You have abundance in photos. It's negative GDP. Productivity is negative GDP, especially when you're, the rails of technology are driving things more and more digitized, more and more efficiency, and it's, it's, it's exponential in, in that function. So you have to ask yourself, if the natural world prices fall to the natural or to the to marginal cost of production, which is known in economics, why isn't that happening? It's, it's, it's only happening in some things, meaning there's less things to manipulate to push up in price. Food, housing, a whole bunch of that. Less and less things all the time. And we're living in that world and we're measuring that what's happening from a broken system. So. That's, it, that's, and that's why it's so hard to see. And you're spending your time, most of your time, I, I suspect, even for Bitcoiners, are, okay, I'm going to have a hedge over here for when the system unwinds, and I'm going to try to make fiat dollars over and over and over and over and over again. And, and I'm going to yell at the system. I'm going to march down Wall Street. I'm going to break windows. I'm going to everything else. I'm going to yell at all those people. And every time you do, you make that system stronger. You're living in that system because you will not vote for that system to, to collapse. And, and as much like Larry, I love Larry. But like love Larry. We all love and, um, and, and But we see in that piece that we see this different, differently because there is nothing that Powell can do. There's nothing that anyone can do in that system. Some of those people know know that this is a broken system, but what would they, they do? Like the Fed, if if the Fed stayed firm and tightened for a long time, then every one of you would vote because what that would mean is the counterparty risk of the exact four hundred trillion dollars would collapse, and everything tied to it, your house. Your, your supply chains, your food on the shelves, everything would fail. 
spectacularly until, until there was a massive easing to try to reflate it. So if it was failing at that rate, everyone in this room would say the Fed loses independence and they would vote for people who would tell them they'll make it better by manipulating money. That's how dictators come into power, right? In every other country. That's what ends up happening. You essentially transfer your individual rights and freedoms away to somebody who tells you they'll make it better and they'll manipulate money faster, right? That's what, we're that's what we are dealing with. And, and Bitcoin resolves that system Peacefully. So what? And when I say peacefully, the system's going to be. It's going to be. There's going to be a lot of chaos. It's going to get way worse. But for Bitcoiners, if you actually know that all prices are falling, the marginal cost of production, meaning, meaning prices are going down forever in relation to Bitcoin, then you know everything else that's going to happen in the existing system as it. <laughs> Is it gets worse and worse and chaotic and choke points and all this bullshit to be able to manipulate your time to be able to lock you into a system that's going to get worse. It's just all, you just tune it out and, and move forward into the system that you're going, that, that, that's, that's moving forward faster and faster. So, so GDP is a trick, really, because I've tracked it, I've looked, the GDP growth in this country over the last few decades has been fairly impressive, yet at the same time we have in this country a massive growth in food banks. We now have warm banks, which is a, a depressing addition to, the, to people living under poverty, and we have a big growth in poverty. So GDP appears to be a trick that makes us believe we're growing? So those things are measured in GDP. Government yeah. spending is measured in GDP. As, as, as you have to provide services to a whole bunch of people left out of jobs, as, as people will vote for UBI and everything else, all of that shows up in GDP. Right? It is, it's ludicrous because it is the system, the error in the system that people are measuring to give validation to the system that it based on insolvent debt to be able to repay this insolvent debt. It's ludicrous, but you can't see that unless you're actually measuring in a different system without the counterparty risk. And, that, and, and, and that's what Bitcoin is. It's an entirely different system that works all of the rules. And what, what ends up happening with a, lot of, with a lot of people in Bitcoin, because this is so hard on the brain, um, is they carry the baggage of the old system into the new system. And they carry that baggage of how governments will work. They carry that baggage of how debt will work. They carry that baggage of how, um, uh, how equality will work. They carry that baggage, all of it, into the new system. It operates totally different. All of those things, all of those problems, climate change, you can't solve climate change from a system that needs to grow forever by manipulating money on a finite planet. should be pretty obvious, right? What if prices kept falling? And like the air that you breathe right now, why aren't you paying for the air that you breathe right now? Right? Seems ludicrous. Right? It's as ludicrous as the system we live in, right? Because all of those things would fall at, fall at a rate which you wouldn't require the job that's going to be gone anyways to live in abundance because prices will just keep falling. Right? And... and and, and because we can't see that, we carry the, the baggage from the old system. Because we've never seen, humanity has never seen a system that has decentralization and security at the base layer. 
and in and at the first at kind of the first instance. And so for for 14 years, it's gotten more secure, more decentralized, more secure, more decentralized. On on, a, on a, and you can see it rolling out against attack vector that is the system we live in is 10,000 times bigger than Bitcoin today. And think about the power in that system. Think about your own input into that system, what you're doing to make that system stronger. And it can't kill Bitcoin. Bitcoin's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And then what people don't realize is then the second layer, and it would have to look like that if it was going to actually make it, right? It would have to protect itself against everything. That base layer would have to be so strong, so resilient. And so when I think about Bitcoin maxis that are so harsh against the small changes, they were right because it has to be that resilient, decentralized security. Because we don't normally trust something like that. We've never had a historic moment that we didn't trust the institution, the bank, the constitution, that all of these that would give us our rights. Now we have something that doesn't require that trust, nor the manipulation in it, but it had to be that strong. Also, why you would, would naturally see if something was so strong and all you could do is hold it, but you couldn't do anything else with it, it would create a market incentive, for, a natural market incentive to everybody else to say, I got a better version. I got Bitcoin 2.0. That's better than Bitcoin. And a lot of people would fall for that trap. Um, naturally, because they saw a whole bunch of other people get rich, their existing system is breaking down and they're looking for, I need more money, how about this? And you'd create an entire crypto scam market that, that didn't look like Bitcoin. It'd just be natural um, that, it, that it would look, look like that. And then because, because technology hardens in layers like that and it has to be resilient at the, at the base layer, you also wouldn't see what was available on top of the layer until the next layer was there, right? None of the innovation on top, like Lightning, as, a, as an example, or Liquid, or a whole bunch of different Lightning, is, or Fetty that's coming, or Fediment, and all these things, or Nostr, you wouldn't see what's possible with this plus this plus this until it was there. And entrepreneurs realized, holy shit, wait, I can, I can, Electrocute somebody on stage, <laughs> but you wouldn't you wouldn't see that until it's there, and it's talking to a base layer that's secure. So, I, for for the life of me, I actually can't believe that more people aren't investing all of their time in this space because the asymmetry asymmetry of that bat in aligning the world to where you would want it to go is so crazy. That, that I can't believe more people aren't taking their time <laughs> from this old system and moving it to this new, new system because it's so powerful. And, and, and I, I'm in a fortunate position. I gotta say, two years ago, I was a hypocrite. And why I say that is I wrote about this, I knew what was happening, I held Bitcoin, I kept on buying more Bitcoin, but I just held it, right? And 90% and of my time was, 10% of my time was podcasts, talking about this and everything else. And 90% of my time was boards of public companies or fiat companies and everything else. And that's where I was making all my income and everything else to, to do that. I realized, huh, if 
if this is going to happen, right, then I need to move 90% of my time to the system I want to make happen and use my energy there instead of the existing system. And so I had I'd left boards. I moved out of out of out of some of these, so I could start the capital, ego death capital. So I could invest all of my time with entrepreneurs building the rails to bring on billions of people to this to this ecosystem. And what I would say in, in that what you, what you had to do is I had to take less money in fiat terms to be able to build this, to be able to do. But in Bitcoin terms, it's going to be way more, right? And, I, and, and the advantage of that is you get to, you, for, me, for me, I cannot believe I get to do what I get to do. I can't believe that Pete invites me to Bedford. And, I can't believe you came. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> but it, like, it's crazy. It's, we're, we're living in a phase transition. And the people in this room, you're going you're gonna to look at some of the things that you're involved in in 10 years and you're going to go, I was part of that ride. It's so crazy to meet the, 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 the people we're meeting and the kind of the people that are driving this and become friends with them and, become, uh, and, and build the rails to the future where the world's going. It's just actually it's so surreal. Well, Larry said he was at an event in uh, 2016 with 60 people there. We've got probably 160 people in a town nobody probably had heard of, even from England, uh, a a while ago. Okay, so that really clicked for me today. And actually, the one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin meme actually clicked in a different way because of that. And uh, but then we started talking about AI. So how's that going to change the game? It, it doesn't change the game. It's not a different thing than Bitcoin. It's just a faster... Uh, and, and for those who haven't read my book, I predicted where AI would be now, right? The Four years ago, you could just, all human intelligence is is error correction. It, we're just a... We're an analog version or a meat sack version of, of, of neurons uh, connecting on error correction. We don't realize all of the stuff that's gone before us that we put to the background that we don't have to think about every day because it's already been solved. That error correction has already been solved and we move that to the background through, through that intelligence layer and we deal on top of that background. That's how we solve things too. And so humans are just moving through that paradigm, that next step on evolution where we're moving that intelligence to machines. And there's more storage, more compute, and it is logical, that it is completely logical. That it, and this is why people are scared of, of this, and, and there's two camps. Wow, this is going to make me way more productive. I'm going to make a ton of money, and that's partially true. If you're early on AI, what that actually means is you're going to, as the pie is shrinking, you're going to take more of it. Does that make sense? Right. So as the entire pie price is falling to the marginal cost of production, if you're early on AI, you're going to take more of it. But what you're doing is actually training the AI to take your job too. That's what you're doing. And so it's just a path that prices should fall at a faster and faster rate as you're doing that. Now, what because of incentives and because of the way the world works, what people will think is, wow, I'm going to I'm going to do this, and I'm going to win. And they, th- the, they will think they're winning in the existing system, and the whole system is kind of burning to the ground because more and more people are losing as a result of, uh, as a result of that. But it's inevitable. 
that is at, at, at some time just and I think this is why this is hard. People think in light switch moments and, and their fear overtakes their ability to think. Instead of just thinking about that, think about AI as a trend that, that is constantly going to get better and better and it's going to merge with machines, all sorts of machines, humanoid machines, all sorts of different machines, and the cost of those machines and the AI is going to be super intelligence and it's going to be smarter at, at every single thing than you are or any of us is today. And imagine that world, whether it's five years from now, 10 years from now, 100 years from now, but it's gonna be a trend towards there. Wouldn't in that world, food also be free? Right? Wouldn't in that world, all of these things, because it would constantly trend down, also be free? Because there's no labor in it anymore, right? There's no, all of the labor, isn't needed. So, so if you stop that trend by manipulating money, you concentrate the AI in very few people, and everybody else is slaves. Right? That's what it would look. Uh, that's what it would look like. You have to have, and and because we wouldn't vote for a system. If if, an, if a politician said to you, "Hey, you're going to get paid less next year, but your real income is going to go up." Most people don't even know what real wages are, right? Um, you're, you're, in other words, prices are going to fall last, or fall faster than your wages are going to decline. If a politician said that to you, how many people would vote for that politician? They'd look like a lunatic, right? So it's not the politicians, it's us, right? And, and Bitcoin won't let us change it. So it forces that function and prices, but the only way to measure that, what's, what's happening there, the only way to measure that productivity falling is through Bitcoin. If you hold Bitcoin, you'll measure, you're measuring that outcome properly. If you hold fiat, you're not. If um, it's inevitable that everything trends to its like marginal cost of zero, is there any point in Bitcoin is getting involved in like the policy side of things or getting angry at the New York Times on Twitter, or should we just completely separate separate ourselves from that system? So, so for me, I can't answer for anybody else. I can't answer for Larry. I can't answer for Greg Foss. I can't like a lot of my friends who will do that and everything else. And I actually think that some of it's really valuable, right? In a different way than what I would do. What I would what I do though is okay. This is all going to look like this. You can't change, a politician inside this system can't change it at all because they can't let it collapse. They have to keep printing. Nobody in that system. And all of the media channels have to do the same thing. And, and the next step of that is, and that's a, we'll, we should talk about Noster, the next step of that is they have to close the communication channels. They have to. They ha it has to look more like China. You have to lose your individual rights and freedoms. Not maybe. It has to happen. Um, GitHub, anything related to Bitcoin on GitHub has to be taken off. Either an executive order could come tomorrow to Microsoft to say, take it all off. So the whole repository, all of, all of that. The, and then on Noster too. Anything that they don't like has to. And here's the thing. People will vote to make it happen because they so need more money out of that, uh, that system. This, that's the scary part, uh, part of it. All of these things are still in front of us and, and for out, of, out of the existing system. So could you yell at it? Yeah, you could yell at it, but it won't change it, right? Because 
again, go break a bunch of windows. Um, go march against Wall Street and 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 and, and, and or do what the truckers did, which I helped um, through Bitcoin. When I say I help, I, I was a Bitcoin wallet holder on that, and just got when when seventy percent of Canadians turn on you for free speech, you realize how manipulated the system is and how much they believe that. So so they will not. So, so all of those things, what will happen? They'll print more money to solve that problem, right? And everybody will go home and forget, right? And so all of those things, what you just, what you just asked, yes, you actually probably empower that system and you make it stronger because you, you also pull away people because now you could look like a conspiracy theorist and, and there's a whole bunch of people that have no idea what we're talking about, that move further away because it's easy to label people in group bias, out group bias. So they move further away from the conversation rather than clo uh, closer to. And, and I just thought, okay, I know all of this is going to happen, so what do I do to put my time and energy into things that actually are going to make a huge difference and onboard billions of people? That's where my time and energy... Again, everybody's entitled to their own thing. It's just for my time and energy... I want to. I want to put it to where to where I think it will have the highest best use. I think I know where you want to go with Nostar now, and uh, I think Ben's display earlier was great because I thought as Nostar is just something that was allowing us to talk to each other, a bit like a decentralized Twitter. What I realized is actually a decentralized internet. Yeah. So let's talk about Nostar. So, so what Ben show, uh, showed you there, and 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 there's a lot of people who think about Nostar right now, and they'd say. Um, it's, it's clunky, it's early, all of these things. Well, when I was on Twitter early, it looked the same. When I was building on the internet early, it looked the Do you want clunky? <laughs> 10 minutes to download a cat picture. <laughs> you want clunky. <laughs> that's what the internet looked like. And so that's actually where the value is because as it's clunky, it actually it tells you where to solve to actually create create value, right? And so all of those entrepreneurs that are racing into that system are creating value to be able to solve that clunky. Now, if the communications have to be have to be closed, if the, if if that is next in line, Operation Choke Point, all of these things is next in line, CBDC is next in line, and in China, they can say to Apple close this, and Apple closes it. Apple cl complies. And if you think that that won't happen in the U.S. or here in, in, in Europe, it will happen. It has to happen to protect the existing system. The existing system has to lock you in and destroy your money in, in, in real terms to be able to remain solvent. And then it has to do it again and again because technology is moving faster and faster. So this is a guarantee that some of these communication channels get closed. And, and because, uh, because Nostr is integrated Bitcoin at the base layer, and it's a communication channel that nobody can stop, it's decentralized, um, then, then GitHub is going to be replaced on Nostr. YouTube is going to be replaced on Nostr. All of these centralized services uh, Ben showed you, Amazon is going to be replaced on Nostr. Right. And instead of replacing it in a centralized version, that value is going to accrue to people. 
right? And prices are going to continue to fall, uh, fall in that in that version. Um, it, that is very early to be able to say that. Now, think about for you personally what it may, means. So if you if you look at any other centralized application or anything that's grown really fast through net, network effects, YouTube, Google, Facebook, all of these things, if you're there early, Twitter, if you're there early, you're growing along the growth curve, right? So if you're providing value, <coughs> value early, you're growing along the growth curve. And so if you're a TikTok influencer early, it's resilient. You're a TikTok influencer. Now you have, later on you have to fight the algorithm to stay relevant, right? And they could, they could take away all your views tomorrow as other people are comp competing, but it's more likely that you'll stay relevant versus the person that's l way late to that trying to get views, right? Trying to get through that noise. Try to create, if you're not on YouTube today, go and try to create a YouTube channel to get views. Good luck, right? And all of the content, everybody trying to matter and, and get views on YouTube really hard. If you're already there, it persists. Now think about Noster at the base level layer instead of at the client level. When I say client, I'm talking about the the um, instead of uh, so instead of YouTube, the base level would be the internet or Noster, and the and the client in this case would be YouTube. Right? The network effects exist on the base layer. Right? And the clients compete on top, on top of that. And what that means is if you sign up in Noster now through any client that's competing on top of that, then they are competing for your attention forever. Um, and if they increase the price to lock you in and you move your, all of your followers, all of your content comes with you forever. And so now imagine a network effect that, that grows like that and you're early that grows like that. And then instead of just on a, a Twitter type of client, now YouTube's there. Now Spotify's there. Now all of the artists are there. And that, that, that all accrues to you if you're providing value to other people. Um, and, 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 and so it's such a powerful idea. It's such about, um, and it decentralizes communications, and it's tied to to, to uh, Bitcoin. And these things don't kind of one plus one equals, in this case, ten. Right? You can't see the nonlinear path until some of these things the, uh, these things start to happen, and, and what that what that means. And some of the entrepreneurs, and and when Ben shows you, and, and you say, oh, that's clunky. I bet you 90, 99% of the people in the room said, oh, that's clunky, that's too hard. When I saw that, I, I thought, huh, wow, you can, you, can do, you can make a smoke machine go on a, on a QR code. That means you could open doors, you can, uh, the, all of these things all over the world you could do on a QR code. And some of the innovation that's going to come on this that I can't even, it just breaks my brain to think about, but entrepreneurs are going to be all over it, are going to create crazy value. You should be there. You should be there as fast as possible, providing value, because that value will accrue to you too. And, it, and it's going to de-risk a centralized communication channel that we're in. Right? Imagine a centralized communication channel. If you think minds can't be adopted uh, today, imagine that centralized communication channel with, with a variable in the AI that says, convince these people that this is the right answer. Right? owned by the state. And 
And every click you do is trying to convince you and is measuring how much time you're on whatever site. And if you click off something, it, okay, I'm going to try something else to move this person's mind there. That's, that's where everything today in that centralized system with AI will take you. The more that you're listening to the existing news, the more that you're leaning into the existing news, the more you're actually corrupted by that. Round of applause for our guests. All right, what do you think of that one? It was an absolute pleasure to have all these people in Bedford. It was so amazing to put this on in my hometown. It was really surreal just to have all these Bitcoiners descending on Bedford but I loved it. And next year we're going bigger. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Anyway, massive thanks to all the guests who came over to Bedford. A massive thanks to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. If you want to check out our live event in Miami, it's on Wednesday the 17th. Lynn Alden, Jeff Snyder, Troy Cross and Harry Salak all together at Graham. So if you want to get tickets, head over to whatbitcoindid.com and click on WBD Live. Outside of that, if you want to get in touch, just drop me an email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. <laughs>